0: A generous heart, giving, which is what we're looking at today. Last week we looked at, anyone remember? Reading the Bible, Bible, scripture reading, (laughs) a very good sermon from Malcolm. Um, And this week we're moving on to giving. And so I want to start with a question for reflection. And this is something that you can write down, you don't need to shout out. Can you pass one around for each person? Yep, pens are coming. I'll give them someone else to pass around. And I want you just to have a think and write down what's most important to you. Now you can interpret these questions however you want. And we're not necessarily going to share these out loud. This is just for you to write down honestly to think about what's most important to you. I'm not going to ask anyone to share So I'm pretty sure you'll have a bunch of things in your head that you could think are really important to you. And so what are the you know the most important things in your life? What's most important to you? One, two, three things? And now I want to ask a second question. What do you prioritize in your life? So I was thinking about priorities and thinking about Ways to think about priorities. And here are some ideas to help you think about your priorities. What does your typical week look like? Do you have goals for this year and next year? What are they? Do you find yourself working a whole lot of extra shifts because you want to earn every last dollar to pay off a mortgage faster? Or are you saving up for a special holiday or a wedding? Um, Or are you spending spare moments renovating a house? Or do you spend every night? How did you spend your nights? Do you just sit there watching Netflix or scrolling through YouTube? Or worse, TikTok. (laughs) I told Annie the other day that TikTok was evil and it wasn't allowed in the house. Perhaps that was a bit uh, over the top, but anyway. (laughs) There might well be. I I might have been using hyperbole. Um, Or maybe you study late into the evenings working through a degree or something like that. So what are your priorities? So I want to make a hypothesis. The way we spend our time actually gives insights into what we think uh, are our priorities deep down. So I might say that A, B and C is my priority and important to me, but I want to hypothesize that... The way I spend my time actually tells me what my priorities are more than what I want to tell myself. So if I find myself scrolling through YouTube for hours a night, that's what's important to me. That's my priority. Um, So just with all that in mind, just some things to think about. Does the way you spend your time suggest your priority is you just want to earn more money because you want to become wealthy? Uh, now, none of these in themselves are necessarily bad things, by the way. We just want to ask ourselves, are these our priorities? Or maybe you spend all your time trying to get stuff, browsing through online shops and Amazon or, uh, I don't know, eBay. Or going to the shops and spending all your time looking at that latest gadget in JB Hi-Fi. I'm talking about me here. Maybe my my time spent suggests my priority is acquiring things, or maybe always looking for that next experience—bungee jumping. Or um, except he doesn't have a rope attached to his foot, does he? He can't be bungee jumping. All these pictures are AI-generated, again, by the way. Uh, this is a, a man with golden hair bungee jumping—a cart, color cartoon of. <laughs> Um, but maybe that's, that's what you're spending your time doing. Maybe that shows you your priorities are, you want to have exciting experiences. Or maybe you'd like to keep a perfect garden. You'd, you'd like to control your own time, do the thing you want to do when you want to do it. Um, and that's really important for you, to be in control of the hours of your day and the time of your day. Or maybe, it looks almost like Bob Hawke, doesn't it? Maybe being important. Maybe you spend a lot of your time getting up in front of the limelight and being important. Having a high status is what is a priority for you. So like I said, none of these things in moderation are necessarily bad. But have a think. Are any of these things your priority? And perhaps a better way to think about it is how hard would it be for me to give this away? Maybe that's really what will tell you if something is your priority and what's important to you in life. You know, could you become generous to the point of poverty? Could you give away your last dollar so that someone else has a cup of coffee and that you can't have the next meal and have to wait on God providing an avocado? Or could I give away my vintage computer possessions that I've recently acquired? <laughs> you know? Could you give away those things you've been spending so much time acquiring? Could you let them go and do that with a, with a happy heart? Or could you stop and not go to that concert because someone needed your help? Or head off on that skiing trip because you need to look after an elderly family member? And could you do that with a, with a generous, happy heart? Or if you are finding that controlling your time is really important, could you just not watch Netflix at night and go out and help out at that charity that someone asked you to help out? Could I do that? Could I give up that time I wanted to control for my event? Or if being important is what's important to you, Could you happily step down from an important role, remove the title, and uh, not be known as that important person? I think we can really understand what's actually important to us by looking at what we prioritize in our lives, how much time we give to it, but even more so, how much we struggle to give it up. That really shows us what's important to us. So with that in mind, let's get to the Bible reading. Uh, Who'd like to read today's passage? Is that a hand, Ellie? (laughs) Looked like it. Uh, Volunteer?
1: Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. The other key verse got cut off. Sorry, the paper.
0: Sorry. <laughs> uh, I printed it with AirPrint in the printer in there earlier and it didn't work properly. I meant to do it at home. No, you read well. It was my, uh, my fault. It's all good. The gist of it's gotten through. So I don't know whether you read about this man this week, Sam Bankman-Fried, $26 billion. He's a rich man. He uh, invested it in some company to do with Bitcoin, not that I really understood it, and you can see what's happened to Bitcoin's price in the last few months. It's just dropped, 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 and his company trading Bitcoin has gone bankrupt from $26 billion to nothing. He's not rich anymore. He's lost it. Anyone read his story this week? Yeah. Yeah. And he was the, the CEO of it and an owner of it, yep. Here's a, a famous woman. Does anyone know who that is? So this is Bridget Fonda. Famous woman. Here, look, I know she's famous because here are some of the movies she's uh, starred in. The Godfather 3, Single White Female, Drop Dead Fred, Lake Placid and Doc Hollywood. In fact, I think I've seen all five of those movies back in the 90s. <laughs> um, Do you remember her? I don't remember her. (laughs) She was famous once, but now her fame is gone, and she's forgotten. Here is a powerful man. I think you probably do remember him. He uh, was the most powerful man in the world for eight years, controlling the most powerful army in the world. his power's gone now, hasn't it? He doesn't hold any power anymore. We spend a lot of our time building up wealth, building up fame, building up power. Here's some advice from Jesus. A lot of things in this world are transitory. Money's transitory, wealth is houses, cars. These come and go. So don't store them up. That's the advice Jesus gives. In Matthew 6 we read don't store up treasure here on earth where moth eats and rust destroys where thieves break in and steal. So this uh, stuff is all transitory. We can have it now gone here today gone tomorrow. But that's actually not the real reason or the deeper reason why we shouldn't store it up. At least I don't think it is. Do you think that's why Jesus tells us not to seek it because it's transitory? Is that alone enough a reason? What do you reckon, Neil? One of the issues is idolatry. Like the rich, young ruler. I follow me. No, sorry. It stops you from following God. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a big part of it, isn't it? The tra- transient nature of wealth isn't actually the real reason not to store it up. There's actually a much, much deeper reason. And it relates to this little, little verse snuck in there from Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Where we spend our energy, where we build what we build up in life, the treasure we try and acquire, that actually shows us what our heart is like. And also the process of doing that actually changes our heart to be more and more like that. It's like Jesus said no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Exactly what you've just said, Neil. We spend our energy building up money that transforms our heart to love money more and more and more and more. It shows that our heart becomes a money-loving heart. And if it's loving money, it's not going to be able to love God. And so, if where we put our treasure defines what our heart looks like, it raises the crucial question we all should ask ourselves. What do you want your heart to look like? What sort of heart do you want? Do you want a dirty heart? A heart that's ugly, It's horrible. A heart that leads, now obviously none of us are like this man, in fact very few people in history are, but a heart that leads to the complete disregard of the needs of others, to the love of power and authority so that you'll actually even put others in concentration camps, that's Stalin by the way. That's what the the worst thing a heart can become. Something like that. Not quite on the same, same, um, same sort of uh, level. But you know, do you want a heart like this? This woman here, who who gave herself over to to working in the pornography industry, and then she's realised it's made her, it's it's really ruined her her internally. It's affected who she is as a person. It's ruined her heart. Doing things, continually following things to do with money and power make us actually broken people. They break us. Maybe not as bad as Stalin, but we can become like this woman here. Or uh, here's a movie that I I watched with the boys a few years ago. I think I've shown a clip from it before. It's about a a school teacher who who teaches boys history. And uh, one of his students grows up to become a very famous politician seeking power. Um, but he cheats. He cheats in life. Uh, this is a good quote from the movie. The teacher says, Am I going to expose you for a liar and a cheat? No. But all of us at some point are forced to look outside, look at ourselves in the mirror and see who we really are. And then the man who's the power-hungry cheat said, Well, what can I say? Who gives us stuff? Who cares about your principles and your virtues? I live in the real world where people do what they need to do to get what they want. And right as he says that, there's a flush of the toilet and his 12-year-old son walks out and looks at his dad with disappointment. Yeah. And that's when that man his face has to face his heart. Cuz there is a time we all have to face our heart. And do you want it to look like that? Or do you want a clean, beautiful looking heart? Something that leads to someone like this, Mother Teresa. Spent years serving, caring for people. Is that the sort of heart you want, the sort of person you want to be? Or like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who stood up against the injustices of uh, the Nazis. Had courage to do the right thing, even though it actually led to his death. Do you want to look like that sort of person with that sort of heart? Now those are probably not the sort of things we're going to need to do in our lives, but the principle's still there. Do you want to be that, that person sharing that bowl of soup? Do you want to look like that? That's the question that Jesus is challenging us to ask ourselves when he says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be. And I know you're the same as me, I'm sure. You want to have a clean heart, a pure heart. You want to be that sort of person. Because a clean heart has infinite value. It's, this is a, Malcolm and I were talking about this during the week and he said, I think you should talk about this. So I've word for word almost taken what you said, Malcolm. A clean heart has value because it can focus on others. It allows us to live richly in community and allows us to speak into people's lives and to have them to speak into our lives. I thought they were such good words that I, I had to bring them into today's sermon, Malcolm. Probably the... the Most beautiful words we could have. A clean heart can be focused on others, allowing us to live richly. And no longer are we isolated, self-serving, single cell creatures. But with a clean heart, we become organisms of complexity and richness. So a clean heart is of infinite value and it's what the infinite one values. It's what God values in us. In John 4, Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman and he said this, A time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth because that's what God's looking for, spirit and truth. Do you remember the story in uh, the Old Testament about David being anointed to be the next king of Israel? Samuel came and looked at all David's good-looking, older, bigger, stronger brothers. And this is what God said to Samuel. The Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's what God thinks is important. That's what God values, a clean heart. And so if... If we want to follow God and we profess faith in Him, how can we not be drawn to seek a clean heart? How can we not cry out like, like uh, David did in this psalm? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. That's the call of every human, the call of every Christian. We need to call on God for that clean heart. But have you ever noticed how hard it is to clean your own heart? Have you ever tried to fix yourself? Have you ever tried to get rid of the greed, greedy thoughts you have? Or the envious thoughts you have? Or lust? Have you ever tried to stop that? Or anger? Or when you're you're upset with someone, to get rid of bitterness? That is not easy, is it? In fact, uh, I'd hazard to say, we know this, none of us can do it on our own. Uh, Paul wrote this in Romans 7. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I think that's a a common human experience, isn't it? We want to do the right thing and we can't. We don't want to do the wrong thing, but we do it anyway. We can't clean our hearts on our own. It just can't be done. No one in history has been able to do it except Jesus, who, hadn't, who had a clean heart to, to begin with. But just because we can't do it, it doesn't mean it can't happen. It can happen. It's just you can't do it on your own. We need God when it comes to cleaning our heart. And this is the first step, I think, according to the Sermon on the Mount. This is the first step to cleaning your heart. Know that God cares about you. In uh, Matthew six thirty-two, Jesus said, Your heavenly Father knows all that you need. So although this world is a temporary place, God's going to care for you in it. Although money comes and goes, God's going to make sure that you survive. He's going to provide for your needs until he's ready to take you to the new world. And even more than that, he's not just taking care of us in this world he's preparing a place for us that isn't actually temporary that isn't transitory in John 14 Jesus said in my father's house there are many mansions if it weren't so I wouldn't have told you so I'm going to prepare a place for you God's preparing a place for you and so if God cares about you if he cares about me, we don't need to worry. When we come to understand that God cares for us, that automatically leads to the second step of getting a clean heart. That second step comes automatically. When we know God cares for us, we can stop worrying. If you believe it, you can stop worrying. And you can stop focusing on the temporary things that don't matter. I can stop thinking, on, thinking and worrying about controlling my own time accumulating wealth to look after me, seeking after status, all those things I don't need to worry about because God cares for me and is looking after me. So that should be an automatic next step that comes when we truly believe God cares for us. And that's when the transformation into a generous heart begins. As your heart becomes transformed, you will become more generous with time, with money, with status. All those things are easier to give away at that stage. I think that's the message of what Jesus was saying in this passage we read. And it's uh, in line with the next part of the passage which talks about good trees bearing good fruit. When the heart is clean, you start producing good fruit which means being generous with your time, with your wealth, with your status. So that's chapter 6 of Matthew but I wanted to finish with verse 1 of chapter 7 which almost seems like it's a different part of the talk but Jesus' next thing he said is don't judge others and you won't be judged and I reckon it's a warning for all of us. This, this idea of looking into our hearts And seeing, are they clean? How do we let God transform them? That's about our own hearts. It's a a personal review of your own heart. It's not about judging the heart of someone else. It's very easy for us to judge someone else. But that's not what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to look into our own hearts and judge our own hearts. That's the warning. Because a self-righteous, judgmental heart is actually just as bad as a self-focused, greedy heart. They're both bad. What, What we want is transformed hearts. So, to finish, finish with an encouragement. Let go of all anxieties. Remember, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let go of anxieties, because you know God cares about you. And so, knowing that, Hand over your heart to him. Hand over everything to him. And then you can let yourself be more generous with your money, with your time, and with your life.